a one, two, three. That promenade, yeah, we're gonna rock that promenade. Be the top of that promenade, looking for a star drifter, not a shape shifter. Lots to do and more to see. Sweet sticks from a dumb to tree, oh, oddities, opportunities, free advice by not for cheap, oh, gambling wheels, shaded deals. Leave me back here tomorrow, Hello and good evening for Monday, January 15th, 2024. Star Trek D Space Nine Season 7, Season 7, Episode 8, The Siege of AR558 is over. And it has been for 25 years. But we're just getting started here. Uh, well, it's actually, yeah, I think it's about 25 years still. Uh, here on Live Long and Podcast for our review of this episode as we continue our ongoing journey to watch and review every episode of Star Trek D Space Nine in order. I'm Dave Mater, joined with Kevin Millard. And there's only one order, Kevin. We hold. We hold. We hold the <laughs> line. You, we hold. <laughs> we hold the line. That's it. You know, uh, as, as, as Cisco would say. There's only one order, Lieutenant. We hold. Yes. In this episode, we get some good Dominion War ground action. Um, you know, where uh, the Defiant is sent off to send some supplies to a, um, a, a a battalion who are defending this, like, transmitter, radio transmitter they've captured from the Jemadar, and the Jemadar keep trying to take it back. And um, the crew, uh, or the, I guess the garrison that's trying to protect this transmitter uh, has been wiped, well, two-thirds of them have been wiped out, and they've been there for five months, and it's really bad. So, uh, Kevin, how are you tonight? Good. And how are you feeling about this episode? Um, I feel like this episode... Oops. Oh. I like this episode. Um, but not as much as maybe the rest of you, well, you, will. will. Um, I feel like it's a recycled episode from the Jake and um, Bashir episode that's very similar to this. Yeah, you're talking about um, the one that's back in season four. I think it's called right. um, Rapture, maybe? I don't remember what it's called, but it's uh, I was waiting for someone, one of the guys there to be like, I don't want my I don't want to die with my face in the dark. I don't want to die with my face in the mud. <laughs> <laughs> Let me look at the sky. You know? uh, no, there's there's good stuff here. It's um, I like Quark in this episode, his observations about humans and. So there, there's a lot of meat here, but I find this episode mostly boring. Mostly boring. Yeah. Well, th- like when I was really like thinking about what, what happens in this episode, not a lot. Not uh, a lot. But, uh, yeah, but, but, you know, like th- they really draw it out. Like I was like taking the screenshots as I was going. I was like, they really like let this, this music play quite a bit. They like to focus in on people's faces a lot. Um, and just let that come out here. But uh, now that you've referenced that Marine, I had to just uh, pull that out, you know? Uh, My platoon, lucky me. I could use the company. I'm not going to die with my face in the dirt. Let me look at the sky. I want to go out looking up at the sky, not at the ground. Right. So, like, you know, like, I, I, um, I think that this movie, or this, uh, call it a movie, it's a, it's, an ep- it's a TV episode, but um, it is a one where it's kind of a homage to a lot of world war ii movies old war movies in general you know but the trauma and the reality of war and you know like like you're right it is kind of a rehash of maybe that episode with um in some ways with jake and bashir because but that was about a civilian being in sort of a war zone and how he was sort of affected i guess quark has a bit of that in his this story too yeah but i think it's a little different in the sense that it's almost like you know you're off at war 
but you know if your dad was there too or your mom was there too um and you know like nog is in this war situation as a member of starfleet and quark it doesn't get it you know he, yeah. he he's not a soldier he doesn't believe in this way he, you know, he even makes the speech to nog he's like we wouldn't be fighting this war if, we, if it was up to me we would have made a deal you know you can't make a deal if you're dead um Whereas the Federation clearly didn't do that. They're, you know, they're, they're not willing to compromise on their on their ideals. So it's a different set of values. Uh, Nog gets wounded in this episode, loses his leg. Quark's not too happy about it. Now, we'll come back to that trauma in a few episodes, uh, and it's only a paper moon. Um, Which I think is a an excellent episode. Yeah. Um, yeah. And comments here. And was we're a live stream here on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Um, you know, Trek Trav saying, I think the big difference is Aaron Eisberg acts the hell out of this episode. He sure does. Like, I think a lot he of the sure performances are, are, are good. I think it's They're not great. just him. Um, I think Quark and, and Armin Sherman is really good in this as well. Um, uh, Avery Brooks and uh, a couple of the guest stars, you know. Uh, in particular, Bill Mummy, I really liked. Uh, Bill, Bill Mummy, as I mentioned many times, from Babylon 5, Lanier on Babylon 5, uh, is the uh, engineer in this episode, the one who helps. Uh, he's mostly with Esri throughout the episode. Um, but uh, yeah, Quark is conveniently there. Yeah, it doesn't make sense that he's there at all. It's, it's yeah, he's a he's on a fact finding mission. He's on a fact finding mission. Like, like come on! <laughs> I was like, did the Nagus send him to die? Is this like the Nagus trying to get him killed? What is yeah. going on? But they just have to get him there so he can observe, right? Right. Like, so they need they need observe in, humans in the story. Yeah. Um. They don't send along Rom, right? Like they could have made up an excuse to send Rom on this mission, you know, instead of Quark. But they make it Quark because Quark, Rom would be more accepting of like the need to fight this war than than yeah. Quark is. So it makes more sense that it's Quark. It, and Quark's not as Nog's dad, but he's very protective. Um, right. Anyway, but speaking of Nog's dad, let's go through the screenshots and run through what happened in this episode uh it starts off with a, like a, a bit of fun like for an episode that's pretty solemn and about a lot of just about a, a lot of shooting phasers and things like that it starts off with a number um with uh mr mr rom here uh that's why the the lady is that's why the lady is that's why the lady is a scamp as they say uh this was uh fun um as he's auditioning yeah. to be uh vic's warm-up act but uh, Vic, uh, he's not going for it. Uh, he has to. No, uh, I, he... I, I really enjoyed the excuses that he keeps making. To yeah, turn he's down Rom. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> that's a one-way ticket to Deadsville. It's a one-way tickets to Deadsville. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it doesn't. It's not going to work. We can't have two, we can't have two music two singers. I need a comedian. And he's like, oh, I could tell jokes. People say I'm funny. He's like, yeah, but you're not a hologram, are you? You know, you're just. <laughs> <laughs> like all these like conditions that Vic yeah. has, right? Showbiz, it can break your heart. Yeah, that's right, Vic. Um, so you know, it was like I don't know, a little bit of fun here. I was like, you know, we continue to start with the Vic Fontaine. Bashir shows up. Yeah. Bashir comes in, and I love Rob's last comment. He's just like, forget it. He's not hiring. He's not hiring. Don't even waste your time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, but basically, Bashir asked uh, for a recording of Vic's. Uh, songs. It was interesting that he had to come and get this from Vic, you know? Like, well, it's a, but whatever. we're in a different world now than it was in the 90s when this was made. Yeah. Like, he has to not, he has to physically come and get this data ride from Vic. And Vic is a hologram who, yeah, like, I like this is all simulated, right? So, um, whatever, but it's all fun. So, but he wants to play it for the troops, uh, Bashir, the, the, the old Sinatra crooner songs, uh, you know, and, um, you know, uh, the Vic Fontaine program based in the 1960s, presumably like World War II is in the rearview mirror for their, his backstory. And he understands like the need for that kind of stuff. And he kind of mentions USO shows and those things. Um, and, uh, you know, so, but, um, that's not that's where we're going. There won't be any USO shows, Bashir says. It's only gonna be um bloody. So um uh, that, that that that's that's Vic's appearance in the episode. And then we go over to uh Captain Cisco, who is reading casualty reports in the in the boardroom, uh staring at them, who's then encountered by Odo. Odo only has this one scene in the episode. He comes to bring security reports to 
Cisco. And then Cisco's like, I can't stop staring at the names. They're all, that's all, that's all, what's I'm going to remember most about this war. I think that's what I'm going to remember most about this war. Looking through casualty reports. Sometimes it feels like that's all I do. Stare at the names of the dead. When the war started, I read every name. I felt it was the least I could do to honor their sacrifices. But now, the names have begun to blur together. Well, that's understandable. Maybe. Maybe. Um, you know, but uh, like Cisco being a, a higher ranking officer, um, you know, he's not in the action all the time. You know, um, but uh, and, and, and this kind of book ends the episode because they talk about uh, not just the people who died at AR-558 by the end of this episode, but also the other people fighting out of the war. The war and it's like 1700 yeah. people. And he's like, it, but when you say 1700 people died, it's kind of like as, as human beings, I think we have a hard time even processing more than like you talk about two people dying. Yeah. And it's like, whoa, these two people died. Now it's like you times that by a thousand or two thousand. Um, you know, and uh, it, it's just statistics and you, your, your brain can't really comprehend it anymore. But um, all, you know, all these people who have died, a uh, couple interesting things uh, that I saw here um, was just uh, some of these ship names, in particular, the uh, Romulan ships, uh, instead of being like, you know, how like the Federation ships are like USS, whatever, yeah. you know, so as United Federation Starship. So the Romulan ones are PWB, presumably some p what i'm not sure what p stands for uh wb being warbird i would imagine um maybe praetorian because there was maybe, a romulan yeah. empire um you know so praetorian warbird or something like that uh the coderics the tomal um you know, the klingon ships start with iks imperial klingon ship so just a little fun um a bit of easter eggs that they threw into the into the design here <laughs> um and so uh so cisco is off they, he the defiance ready and he's on this delivery mission this is where we get our uh scene here with quark who say like i'm like a son to him and he this is what he does to me speaking about the nagus uh you know we see uh, esri is here talking to quark although she's out of focus for a lot of it um you know until eventually <laughs> she comes into it and says well then the nagus trusts you and and even though the, we're told that the federation is sharing starfleet intelligence report with the Ferengi and Zach, you know, he's like, why, what else can I learn here? I don't know. Quark, this mission seems completely pointless for you too. <laughs> I agree. Uh, you know, I think maybe, uh, did Ishka, uh, say like, can yeah. we get Quark killed in this war or something? Bit, you know? bit of a clumsy device to have him there. Like just to be like, Oh, the Negus sent me here. <laughs> the Negus sent me here for fact finding. Yeah. It's a, and like, would the Federation be like, okay, we can bring Quark? Like, are you kidding? Right. Cisco well, would be like, no. <laughs> Quark even makes the point that Nog could report back to Zach yeah. as well. He's like, what? as you know, he trusts you. Why? You know? <laughs> why? Why? You know, I don't, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. Anyway, but there's a red alert. The ship is attacked. And they all, uh, so Esri runs off to the bridge. I like, he runs into Worf here at the hall. He's like, this is no time to be running around the corridors, you know, Quark. When I, but you know, then helps him a lot out of character for, uh, for Worf. Worf helps him Worf. stand up, kind of walks yeah, him helps to the him bridge. Away. Yeah, brings him <laughs> to the bridge. But, uh, you know, it seems like the battle was uh, going pretty well for the ship as they totally destroyed this Jemadar fighter ship, um, you know, uh, it's you know they're not like when Red Squad were like woo we blew it up they're they're, they're more serious they're more like yeah we've got it um, we've else. done and this then, before we've done this before uh, Quark comes to like say hi to Nog on the bridge again like still be, being like sort of this he's kind of playing the parent role in this episode yeah um, again he's his uncle who I don't know can take him or leave him sometimes um but um it, you know uh he's embarrassing nog and then cisco's like quark is there something we can do for you you're on this is an official bridge business you know he's like oh okay um also i also love like um quark's little phaser that he's got going on here his little ferengi phaser and like a like a holster on his jacket oh skellhorn's here the subunit unit Yes, welcome. Yo, yo, yo. You guys looked lonely. Yeah, well, my you brother are. said he was coming, and then you know, didn't. <laughs> so, 
All right. We're just at the, we're, we're, you can see where we are early on in the episode here, Davin. Um, yep. Nog's like, it won't happen again. And this look from Cisco, like, you know, it's not oh, like, yeah. don't, don't worry about it, Nog. You know, I get it. <laughs> you know, uh, it's, it's a look of like, you screwed up here. Like, you control your uncle. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, okay. Now that you're Starfleet, this is your job. This is your job, your uncle. <laughs> like, as if, as if Cisco hasn't known Quark for years and knows, you know, could tell him to buzz off just as easily. Yeah, he gets to pawn him off now, though. Yeah, right. He can delegate this to an officer. Um, and she's like, "Well, you know, Quark, he's not used to it. He's not used to being in a combat situation." I'm like, "Yeah, again, why did what?" Uh, but Davin, do you, but do you, he is. Davin, do you have a theory about why Zach would even send Quark on this mission? I don't think he likes Quark very much, <laughs> and I like. To, I think he likes to send him into danger, like fact finding missions into the Gamma Quadrant and stuff. It's like, what's going on here? Yeah, he's kind of expendable, at least, Dzek. Um, <laughs> definitely expendable. To you Zek. useful you but expendable. Useful but expendable. Yeah, yeah like it. We, I was the best theory I could come up with is he wants to get him killed, or he doesn't care if he dies. Uh, I'm not yeah, sure what information yeah. he necessarily would have got here. But anyway, the Defiant arrives yeah. at uh, at this planet um, where, where this... Might have just, here's a theory on that. That's just Moogie wanting Zek to send Quirk to look after Nog. She's worried about Nog. Maybe. Maybe. That's as good as any, right? That's, That's better than the got. reason they give. Yeah. <laughs> Let's not send his father. Let's send his uncle instead. Yeah. Uh, well, they like Rom. They don't want they to like Rom. Danger. Yeah, they got they, they got they want him to be Grand Nagus. Um, yeah, exactly. So there's no reason both of the relatives they like need to die. Right. No. <laughs> it's so, a math uh, thing. It's Ferengi, you know. It's <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I thought it was an interesting choice here because uh so, so Cisco leaves with this away team to do the supply mission. Um and so he takes Ezri and Nog and Bashir. No security officer whatsoever. Doesn't take Worf. He leaves Worf in command. Okay, I guess. Somebody's got to command the ship. And O'Brien stays behind, too. Like, he doesn't come on this mission, either. Two, uh, two of the most battle-hardened people, people yes. he leaves on the ship. Right. And he brings, <laughs> instead, his counselor and his doctor, and, and like, an ensign <laughs> who has, like, almost no experience and is an engineer, you know? Well, he may uh, consider Ezri having and eight lifetimes of experience. Like, they know they're going into... A, like, can you not take a couple security officers with you, too? Like, yeah. But, um, they just die. Sure. They would just die, anyway. Well, they would fun. die. They the, the, Spoilers. Doing their jobs, though. Doing their jobs. Doing their jobs. So they beam down here. Um, there's no one around. And it's kind of quiet. Uh, and then things just start blowing up. And that's kind of the that's the that's the teaser of the episode. We don't know they're be, they're being shot at as we go to credits. So and we get our title card. Um, you know, they come back after the credits. They're still being shot at. The siege of AR five five eight. The title of the episode. Um, Bill Mummy. Bill Mummy from Babylon Five and Lost in Space and other things. Uh, I wanted but I, to be here when you mentioned that. Oh, I've already mentioned it. Um, <laughs> before you even got here. Uh, but uh, they get to the uh, planet that the fighting stops because it turns out they were being shot at by their own people. It was friendly fire um, because they got, they, they thought it was maybe the Jemadar. And then they, this, we meet this Lieutenant. Uh, she'll go on to die in this episode. Um, what's her name? Lieutenant Larkin. Um, and so she, apparently there was a captain and a, and a commander here, but they're both dead. They've been dead for about a week at this point. So she's the highest ranking officer. Uh, so she starts, you know, kind of chastising the guy who started the shooting. His name is Vargas. Um, and he wears like that Starfleet Marine kind of looking uniform. Like, um, uh, like we saw back in that Cisco episode. He doesn't wear like the, the gray top, like the rest of them. Um, so he, you know, he's, he might be something, a different kind of he's a Starfleet. He's a Mako. Yeah. He's a Mako, perhaps. <laughs> um, they don't explain it, but yeah, he's like he's like playing that traditional like jarhead kind of like like traumatized soldier. You know, just the way he talks. Like, grab, oh, he's, he's not good. Yeah, he's um, having a he's, rough time. I'm not gonna let it cloud my rating on this episode, but he's not good. 
he's a little he's a little two dimensional. Yeah, like he's not fully he's not as uh he's the way that he he kind of comes across here just a little too um just on the nose. Awkward. Just a little awkward or something. It's just like there's something about his delivery is just very like forced or something. Yeah, it's yeah. I'm sure I, he's a great actor and has done gone on to done other two other things, but it's clunky look that up. Yeah, a little clunky, a little, a little, like I guess, uh, cartoonish. I guess is how he feels to me. You know, yeah. uh, just like that marine back in like the Cisco episode, like the Jake and uh, Bashir's episode, which we were kind of referencing Davin as being something that this episode feels similar to in some notes. Mm -hmm. You know, um, right? And uh, and so the lieutenant says, "Don't worry about Vargas. He's a little." rattled you know we've been here for five months and we're supposed to be rotated out every 90 days and it's kind of, you know we're having a rough go here and and we find out why they're doing this at all we see that this is the transmitter this is the ar558 it's a dominion transmitter they used to do all their um communications around the sector so it's strategically an important thing but they can't crack it they've been control they have it starfleet has it but they don't know how to like break into it and use it for anything uh, useful so, um, so they're, they're, they're still working on that, you know, and, uh, she says, Hey, do you know when we're going to get more uh, replacements, Cisco? He's like, uh, nope. Uh, I don't, I think you're going to have to just hold this for until you can. I was like, why don't you bring down some of your defiant people to like sub these people out or whatever. But, um, it's like, no, we like those people. Yeah, no, no. These were, were <laughs> we don't like. yeah, just, just, just like the grand Nagus. Starfleet. There's a few uh, rock star officers on this crew down here, though. So, yeah. so the uh, so the Federation, we're to believe, then has a shortage of people and a shortage of ships all the time. Yeah, during war, but yet time. they're a force in the quadrant. Yeah. One question but, I get but, here is Norman's asking why why a counselor and not why doesn't Kira come on this mission? Kira's a good choice. You know, yeah. I, there was a lot of lot of a lot of people they left on the bench for this one, and they brought some interesting choices. I think in the in, you know in this one. Um, anyway, Bill Mummy, guys, he's he makes his first on screen appearance here uh, as the engineer. Um, I'm trying to remember his character's name, Kelvin or something like that, or uh, Keldon. Keldon. Hold on, what is it? Uh, Kevin. It starts with a K for sure. <laughs> Bill Mummy is Kellen. Kellen. Kellen, yeah. So he's trying to like break break into the the transmitter. He ends up becoming friends with Esri because Esri hands him a tool and says, "Well, I used to be an engineer, but not anymore." You know, and he's like, "Well, that's good enough for me because most of my unit is dead." Um, you know. So then we get a, a scene here with uh, Nog, who's looking at one of the other uh, soldiers who's here. He's got all the catcher cell white tubes around his neck. Uh, to kind of, they're kind of like those, uh, I guess, pulling ears off people, like you know, in Vietnam or something Cardassian like that. Neck bones, Carnassian neck that bones, a, like the trophies yeah. of war. I guess this this is uh, something that people do, soldiers do. Um, and never having been one, I don't really know. But uh, but anyway, um, Quark comes here to have a chat here with uh, with with Nog. Uh, you know, he's like, you admire these people? Like, are you trying to get their respect? Because they're a bunch of animals and stuff like that. He's like, look <laughs> at those, look at those catcher cell white tubes. He killed those Jemadar. You know, he 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 earned those. And Quark's like, yeah, that's a little fucked up. I'm sorry to <laughs> tell you, Nog. <laughs> he's like, he's like, you a year ago, you would have thought that was fucked up. What did they teach you at that school? It's like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's just but like, uh, Quark, this is a really great Quark episode. Quark's it is a good great. Quark episode. Uh, it shows how you know how Quark not being that heroic type, not not believing in idealism above all things. You know, he he he's way more of a compromiser, way more of a pragmatic approach. And he's just like, no, this is. And he's but he's not violent. Quark is not violent. He's not naive, no. and he's no. not, and he's very thoughtful though as well. Like he's a yeah. smart guy. He's a smart, capable guy. Right. Well, his. I think that the speech he gives here, um, you know, is one is one of the best in all of Star Trek. Yeah. Let me tell you something about humans. They're a wonderful, friendly people, as long as their bellies are full and their hollow sweets are working. But take away their creature comforts, deprive them of food, sleep, sonic showers, put their lives in jeopardy over an extended period of time, and those same friendly, intelligent. Wonderful people will become as nasty and as violent as the most bloodthirsty Klingon. 
That's right. True. Yeah. I have proof. Look. Yeah. <laughs> Bloodthirst. That's a baby. <laughs> the bloodthirst. Look at it. Oh, you can see it. You can see it. Because <laughs> you've been deprived of what? What? I don't know. <laughs> well, you know, um, just like you talk about, I don't know if this is only humans. I think almost any of these sentient species, if you deprive them of food, I, I think if you deprive the Frankie of food and um, comfort. And no, they just things. get annoying. They would get so annoying. <laughs> if you def- Like like Quark when he was, uh, when they were uh, taken hostage. Remember it was Cisco and Quark and that Vorda? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They were camping yeah. or whatever. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. No, he's Quark is not the brave one or anything else. But he, you know, he's like. He, but Quark says to him, like, "Look around. Don't you know I'm right? These people are broken. These people are. You know, you might think that they're heroes, but they're not. They're just bloodthirsty. They're vicious. They're animals, right? And and Nog just goes, "I feel sorry for the Jemadar because Nog is fully in on this. He doesn't think that anything bad's going to happen to him, right? But it will." And that will be explored in a future episode. But I do like this setup that they do here in all of this, right? Like that Nog is is kind of feeling invincible at this point because he doesn't think that uh, he's got the plot. He thinks he has the plot armor, you know? So then the next scene here is with Vargas, uh, our uh, GI guy who, uh, you know, uh, is a little irritable. Uh, uh, Bashir gives him a few hyposprays to take away the pain and whatever else he's dealing with. He tries to get at this bandage on his arm to treat a wound, and then and then the guy grabs him. Vargas grabs Bashir and puts a phaser right up to his chin and threatens to kill him. Uh, might be a sign he's a little unhinged. Now, if only there was a counselor on this mission who could go talk to him. <laughs> um, there is. There is guess, for sure. Uh, oh. But she's yeah. more interested in Kellen. She's more interested in Kellen, who seems well adjusted. So I don't know. <laughs> Maybe you it's know. her day off. I don't know. <laughs> she's an engineer uh, in this episode. Like pretty much the entire episode. She becomes an engineer because O'Brien yeah. had to stay on the ship. Like, you know? So <laughs> God damn it. I love this episode. Stop poking holes. It's just like yeah. I, I just don't understand what like I receive him bear and Hans Hans Blimler were thinking like okay we're gonna like we're, I, I like the idea of the episode but which pieces you're gonna use I think is questionable. They're also I never thought of this, but they're they're uh, they're they have a transmitter that they can't figure out but they leave O'Brien on the ship. Yeah, like <laughs> one of the best engineers in Starfleet. Yeah, I don't know. Um, anyway, but we get this story here from Vargas. He's like, um, the, the bandage was from this other guy whose name escapes me at this moment. Um, but it, it's like McSweeney or something like that. And he's like, McSweeney, he was annoyed. I hated his guts. He never shut up and always telling how great he was. And then we were there and he, he got shot in the, he, I got shot in the arm and then he was, he was wrapping up my arm with the blood and, uh, he used his own uniform and then he died and then he was quiet. You know, the one time in his life. One time in his life, he's quiet. <laughs> oh. oh, no, I didn't even want to hear it. Oh, well. Yeah. One life, every life, he's so quiet. And then he starts crying. Uh, Bashir's like, I do need to get at that arm, though, if you're not going to answer me. Is he skull. a better crier than Ezri? Uh, no, I would say Ezri's better. <laughs> but it wasn't great. Yeah. Um, anyway, but, you know, he's... Uh, we In those days, we would have said shell shock but now it would be ptsd but i don't think that term was commonly used at that time um mm, i don't so, think so and uh anyway i guess like for the time it was kind of new to show this stuff in tv but um yeah anyway it's a, quite the wound here on the arm you know it looks pretty uh pretty pretty bad um and then we see here that like that 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 cloth that piece of the uniform from the dead guy is so significant to him um then Cisco was talking with Lieutenant Larkin about their positions. And then uh, Bashir's like, yeah, I think we should talk, Cisco. Yeah, they're a little messed up. Uh, the, their mental health is precarious at best. And um, I think, uh, you know, we, Cisco's like, I hear you, but what am I going to do about it? I, I got the orders. Huh, um, I, only, I only run everything in this war. What am I going to do about it? <laughs> what do you want? I could call it Bill Ross, you know, but uh, I won't. Um, anyway, so they head outside, um, you know, they're just like, don't worry about it, uh, Vargas, the captain doesn't care 
about you or me or what happens to any of us. And then Worf calls. He's like, okay, I'm here to pick you up, boss, but, um, you know, the, we're going to shot by the Gemidar, so we better get you out of there fast. And he was like, you know what? I'm going to stay. And Worf's like, what? You can't. We, I, I don't know when I'll be able to come back and get you. He's like, don't worry about it. I'm staying here. I'm going to hold the line. You know, I'm staying. And then the lieutenant's just glad she's not in charge anymore. She's like, what are the orders? There's only one order. There's only one order, Lieutenant. We hold. We hold. Um, we all, oh yeah, the Worf also did mention in his call that a whole bunch of uh, troops had landed on the planet too. Um, but you know what? Four more people is going to make a big difference here. So um, let's go. Um, I guess it was enough to, to hold, right? Anyway, so they're all waiting for these Jemadar to attack. There's a lot of tension, a lot of quiet. Uh, we're also finding out the tribe quarters are jammed because Cisco's trying to use one, and Larkin's like, "Yeah, that's not going to work. We we jam theirs, they jam ours, so it's not gonna it's not gonna go anywhere." Um, this I can't remember what this guy's name is, but he's like one of the only people that survives. But he's like always sharpening his knife. He's the guy with <laughs> the, the catch cell wipe. Yeah, the classic, the guy sharpening the knife. It's in every. Every one of these war, uh, war scenes yeah. like, in every like, show and every movie. <laughs> I guess, but in in every unit, there's always this one guy who just becomes like a complete psychopath, or maybe he already was, <laughs> and it just this just brings it out in him, right? You know, um, and he's like kind of a giant dude, so he probably plays other giant alien dudes in Star Trek. I would guess. Oh, probably. Yeah, he even throws it yeah. into the into the dirt here at one point. Um, because Nog's like, that doesn't look like a Starfleet knife, and he's like, shut the hell up. <laughs> Listen. Um, so they're waiting, waiting, and then uh, so the Gemadar attacks seemingly, and they're firing at them, they're firing, firing, but guess what? It's all a ruse. These are hologram Gemadar. Very convincing, though. Um, is they're falling and everything, but they're like, there's something wrong, they're not firing at us. And we see that they start to, uh, it takes a while, but they eventually start to disappear. I didn't know that the, the Gemadar had this technology. And apparently they didn't know either. So it's pretty slick. Pretty slick. Pretty slick. Yeah. Uh, so presumably this is maybe one of the few first times that the Dominions used it in a, in, a, in a combat. Or at least one of the few times Starfleet would be able to report it back on it. And they go, we hold. But just, um, you know, Quark comes out of his his pole and he's like is it over yet and then we find out about the mines there's these um <laughs> these these mines going off randomly one of these one of the guys gets killed here they're in they're, they're in subspace and then they come out randomly you know he's like why why didn't we take them out we did but he's like you can walk by the same spot a hundred times and you they could still get you houdini's houdini's are called yeah but i'm like that's not acceptable like that's not something you can but uh, and cisco knows it he 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 goes directly to um this to esri and to kellen and says can you do something about these mines because i didn't even know about this until a second ago and i'm not gonna walk by a spot and just die you know that's no good <laughs> i'm emissary ensign have you ever counseled a mine before? <laughs> yeah. dumped them out of it if, if only we had brought an engineer if only we had an engineer on the ship, but he wasn't available. Uh, well, and Cisco is an engineer too. I think we forget this a lot, but you know he's also, oh, yeah. you know, but I guess he's retired from that biz. Uh, he only makes decisions now. So, um, so he, he puts these two in charge of trying to figure out the mines, uh, Kellen and Esri. Um, then uh, Quark goes to bring Nog a sandwich. Uh, they have another one of their chats um, where. He's like, Nog, you know, you shouldn't be. I, I I just, Cork hates that he's here. He hates that Nog's here. He hates that this is happening at all. It's kind of like the, the summary of it. But then Cisco's like, I got a mission for you, Ensign. Um, and Cork's and like, why do you got to send Nog on the mission? Send one of these other like humans, you know, battle hardened guys uh, instead. But they need Nog's ears. Nog's uh, hearing abilities make him uh, quite the asset here. So he sends him off, and you know, and Quark's not happy. But um, so it's 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 Nog, Larkin, and the crazy guy, not Vargas, but the other one. Uh, they're off to find out to scout the uh, Dominion camp. Uh, Esri and Kellen still working on the mines, and it's actually Esri who is able to get the tricorder to scan. Uh, so she kind of 
has the big breakthrough on the mines, which impresses Kellen. Uh, and as he goes, well, I, I, it's, it was probably Tobin or Jedzir. It wasn't really me. Uh, you know, um, it's always a lot of that. In nine lives, I've been a little of everything. Cool. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. Like, it's fine. Anyway. Um, and then, uh, the, the team, the scouting team, Larkin, Buddy, and Nog are looking through their binoculars. <laughs> Uh, we see that there's quite a few Jemadar here. Um, way more Jemadar than they have people, seemingly. Um, and they're like, we got to get back. We are screwed. You know, so uh, they, get the, they get the intel. They're starting to move away. But then Nog starts to hear something. They start to do like hand signals with each other. And then they're eventually ambushed by the Jemadar. Uh, Larkin gets killed. Nog gets one in the leg. Here. we see you know at the time the first time i watched this i didn't really understand what was happening but you know it's uh, it's this scream that nog lets out here that's pretty like uh saying that there's something wrong <laughs> yeah it's classic it's like when someone grabs uh quark's ears yeah yeah exactly <laughs> so um that guy brings nog back he carries him back on his back they put him on the stretcher uh and take him off uh, Larkin is dead, we're told, and there's two columns of Jemadar coming, which is a lot. Uh, how are we going to hold up two columns? He's like, we're going to find a way. I, I think Cisco says, I'm thinking about it. I'm working it out in my head. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> thinking, planning as it go. Uh, <laughs> Don't worry. I'm the main character. We can't die. Yeah. That's what <laughs> Nog thought. But not, well, he didn't die. But anyway, so 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 Cisco goes to check on Nog, um, but, uh, but Shear's working on him. And um, Quark says, he doesn't want you in there. And, uh, you know, and, and Quark's like, he's going to lose his leg. He's going to lose his leg. Are you happy now? Does that answer your questions? Are you, you know, um, this this will continue kind of into the next scene because Bashir is kind of giving the um, the report to Quark on what's happening with Nog, that he basically has to take Nog to a star base. He can only do so much here on the ground that normally they could do a biosynthetic limb, but I don't know, something like with the Jemadar weapons makes it complicated. So he doesn't really know what's going to ha completely happen. Um, and, uh, you know, and Quark's, Quark's like, well, we got we got to take Nog to a hospital right now, Cisco. And he's like, well, that's not possible. Uh, and then Cisco like snaps at him, right? He's like, listen, I care about Nog too, man. Like I care about everybody under my command. Don't tell me otherwise. Um, you know, and I think like Quark is out of line, but I understand where Quark's coming from too. Um, and this is because he doesn't care about this war. Then Cisco goes to visit Nog. We see here like where the amputation is. So I guess it's a little bit below the knee um, that he's lost here from the, from the blast. You know, and and Nog, Nog, like Aaron Eisenberg, excellent in the scene, the way it's written, yeah. the way it plays out. He's like, he's almost like, he, it's not even like he's just like, oh, I'm sorry about what happened with Larkin. I'm sorry I led you into a trap. I'm sorry, all these things. You know, he's got almost a guilt about it. Um, and uh, you know, it's, it's Cisco, who's known him since he was very young, right? Um, yeah, it's just like you know, you did good, man. You 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 brought back the, the information. Uh, you know that's it. So Ezri kind of takes Cisco away here for the next thing, but you know it's a nice scene. Um, as, as Nog's trying to you know deal with this, um, I don't know how like I if I lost mine, I don't know how I would react. You know, like so it's um, he he handles it well. Um, yeah. Welcome back, Davin. <laughs> oh, you're still muted. You still. Whatever he's saying. <laughs> I said, yeah, it's there gonna be go. short-lived my return. The parenting is gonna overwhelm my podcasting here in a moment. <laughs> yeah. Well, we were just talking about the scene with Cisco and Nog where after he loses his leg and how you know oh, uh, man. This 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 freaking stuff is brutal. This, I cry every time I watch this episode. This is great stuff. You know, it was a I um I, I agree. A, a great choice here. Um, and the music, like it's like it's echoey, like it's Vic, but it's like it's kind of echoey and it's going through the cave and it's like, oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of original music in this. Uh, more. It's not just the DS9 typical score. They, ha they have some new stuff that comes in here. Um, Greatly, amazingly directed. I see why Kate Mulgrew married this guy. 
Is, did she? Is, Winrick Colby? Did he direct? Is that who movie? she married? Winrick Colby? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's directed a whole bunch of these episodes, like the yeah, sound of her voice. Another another episode you enjoyed a lot. Um, he's good. He directs good episodes. Yeah, like he tends to these kind of choir sort of like tense episodes. He tends to direct a lot. Mm. Um, anyway, so then um, the, we see Esri and Kellen working on the mines. This was a cool scene. I forgot about this scene until I watched it mm. again today, um, where like the sub, all these mines coming out of subspace. This was like, don't move um, until I say so. Right. This episode's very dense. Like it, it, it feels like a movie. Like, yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. Like, like it, you know, the, there's not a ton of story and dialogue, but it is. But there's a lot of like spectacle, um, and sort of tension and things like that. Right. And so, yeah, all these mines coming out of subspace, and they're like, now we can use them. Right. So this the, the GI guy, he's like, listen, we. The, the Jimmy are going to have to come through this valley in order to get to our camp. There's mountains on both sides. So that's where we will sort of cut them off. And they're like, we're going to use the mines against the Jemadar Dar to like thin them out a bit um, and whatever, you know. And, and Ezri's like, that's only something we thought only the Dominion would do. Only the Dominion would use these mines. But here we're going to use them against them. And Cisco says, well, uh, if you want to survive into the morning, we gotta make sure there is a few Gemini coming down that valley as possible. So that's that's what my priority, right? It's not that he wants to kill all these Gemidar, and not that he wants to use um, the mines, but he will. Um, of course, he will. He poisoned yeah. a planet right. for a personal grudge. Commander, these I said launch <laughs> torpedoes. Right. Well, I I don't agree with that at all, and that's the perfect time for me to make my exit after that Cisco slander. I just heard. <laughs> uh, I won't slander. have it, and I won't stand for it. Okay, ten out of ten for me. I love this episode. Oh, ten. Okay, I'll put that down for you. Yeah. All right. All right. Thank you. All right. Later, guys. See you later. Okay, so um, yeah, we're getting down to the final showdown, which was the uh, like the final battle where they're waiting for these Gemini to come. Um, I should just learn this guy's name. I keep saying the guy, the GI, this dude, the guy who carried Nog. Um, uh, what is his name? Uh, Reese. And he's played by Patrick Kilpatrick. What a name. I got to tell you. Patrick Kilpatrick. Um, good name. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so he's he's giving out. He's like power packs. And this is the first time we had ever seen, I think, this kind of idea that a fa like the phaser rifles had to be like, would run out of charge. Of course, like it kind of makes sense that they would, yeah. but um, that they don't have unlimited energy in them, but you know, that this is kind of like the ammo that they're going to need because they're going to have to shoot a lot here. So they're kind of waiting for it to come. There's kind of like this tension and then you know, they're, they're waiting. And then Cisco notices Kellen is just flipping his, uh, his like aimer thing up and down on the, the rifle being sort yeah. of fidgety and annoying. Cisco gives him a look and he's like, I'm sorry. And Cisco's like, I get it, man. It's a little tense. Um, just then we start to hear it. Um, oh, is this where they're playing the music? Yeah, they're starting to play like yeah. the Vic Fontaine song. Um, over the PA, um, we see how proficient Bashir is with his phaser rifle that he's able to take it apart and put together really fast. Um, Reese says, You seem like you've done that a lot. And he's like, Too many times, and I joined Starfleet to save lives. Oh, well. Um, and then we start, we start to see the mines go off in the distance, like the, 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 the muzzle flare or whatever you would yeah. call it, um, as they're coming at them, you know, I look how Vargas is like, maybe they're not coming anymore. Maybe, maybe we got them all, you know, <laughs> maybe it's, it's going to be fine. Wishful thinking Vargas. Uh, Cisco just puts up his thing. They start to hear like that raw in like the, the the distance, and here they come. And you know, um, yeah. And then the, this is like this this battle just kind of keeps going for a few minutes. I've never, right? I've never known the Jem Hadar to like do the battle cry as they run into. They don't usually do that, do they? I get. I don't think so. It seemed like more. They of a usually just. They usually just appear. Yeah, like, with it the, seems out like, of their shrouds, right? But they don't like they don't do that here. Now maybe like they just did lose. We're told about a third of their numbers in those yeah. mines, so maybe they're avenging their people here a little bit. They're a little pissed off, um, you know. It could be, but yeah, it is a bit unusual that the Gemini. It feels like the Gemini 
would be a little craftier than this. Yeah. <laughs> but they're not. You know, they're just kind of like these foot soldiers. And so they, you know, they just start firing. Um, you know, the, the Starfleet crew is outnumbered, but um, they, you know, they have they're, they're, they have the fortified position. So yeah. they're just they're just firing out there. And so, you know, this is a lot of phasers, a lot of emotion, a lot of music throughout all this section. Uh, I, you know, I do like just seeing that bandage, that blue bandage on Vargas's arm there in the shots. Um, you know, you, you have that context there. Uh, basically, like I'm yada yada in this a little bit, guys, here, because what do you say? Like, they, you know, yeah. uh, a lot of people got shot. They're, so I, the big moment here is, I guess, one of them is like what's Quark, because Quark is, is with Nog in, in like what I guess is their makeshift infirmary. Um, and he kind of hears them coming. Vargas gets killed right here. Uh, Cisco, I don't know. Like, there's a lot that happens here. People uh, die. People get shot. Kellen, Kellen yeah. gets killed here. The Bill Mummy. So you know, Ezri's sad. So no yeah. more, uh, no more Babylon Five for him. No more Babylon Five. He's back to Babylon Five. They killed him so he could go back to Babylon Five. Uh, anyway, so this is the scene here where Quark hears them coming, the Jemadar coming, and he he turns around and uses his little Ferengi phaser and shoots this Jemadar. Um, and get some, and just the look on on Armin Shimmerman, this Quark in this scene is so good. And the close up they get, yeah. goes, I think, has Quark killed people before? Have we seen him kill yes. anyone? Yes, yeah, right? Once, I think. I can't remember who. I can't no, remember. Maybe either. it's after this. Maybe it's after this. Yeah, because it's almost like he, it almost feels like he's never done that before. Um, you know, but I We've also done... remember that. We've done the magnificent Ferengi, right? Didn't he kill somebody in that? Um, I don't think he killed him. No? Okay. No, I think well, like maybe, maybe one, not one, of, one of his team did or whatever. Like, you know, he see, he's seen people be killed. Like, I remember that time yeah. uh, Garrick killed that Cardassian guy in like the cargo bay. And yeah, then he yeah. was like, I'm going to make sure every Ferengi shops in your store. But he didn't, he totally was like, <laughs> whatever, he's dead, good. But he didn't do it, right? Um, yeah. I think he might have shot a Klingon when they were attacking maybe um I don't know but uh it's not an everyday thing for Quark at any means no so Cisco gets hit in the battle he looks like he's gonna get killed here uh he's like blacking out he's got this Jemadar getting ready to shoot him in the back of the head but I, I guess um Reese saves him because Reese is the one who wakes him up here and brings him up to his feet uh but we see that they lost a lot of people in this attack but they ultimately held they held. We hold. We held. Those were our orders. Kellen's dead. Vargas is dead. We already know that the other one, the lieutenant, she's been dead for a bit. So, yeah. um, of the speaking people, of the people who have speaking parts, um, Reese is the only one left with all his, uh, his Ketracel white tubes. Um, and then there's kind of like this this aftermath uh, where Cisco's here looking at the transmitter, saying this is what it was all for. It kind of reminds. It's also that episode where um, they have the Dominion ship and they lose a bunch the of ship, people. Yeah, the, the ship, right? Um, you know, and he's kind of saying, "I hope this is worth it. I hope you know, like, like all these the sacrifice." Worf comes up. He's like, "Yeah, we got replacement troops. Uh, we're taking all away all these shell shock people. Don't worry about it." And this was a great victory. You know, good job, Captain. And he's like, I guess, you know, he's not super proud of it, but hoping that this thing was worth it. Uh, Reese says, these are all children, these replacements. And Cisco's like, not for long. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll check in with them in a couple of months when they're more like you. Um, and then he, <laughs> and he throws the knife away here. He throws the knife into the sand. He leaves it there with the knife he's always been sharpening. For the next psychopath. For the next psycho. That's for the next psycho. <laughs> and uh, they beam out of here. Worf, um, Cisco, and, and Reese. Oh, man, they could have done so much better if they had Worf here. Like, yeah. Like, I don't even think that Kellen would have died. I bet he I don't even think they would have needed anything. They would have just had Worf run out and just start <laughs> chopping down Jemadar. Yeah. Like, <laughs> this could have gone so much better. Anyway. Then we go back to the station for like the epilogue, basically. Cisco back at his office, kind of thinking about everything that's happened. Kira shows up to says, "We got the we got the casualty report. Seventeen hundred 
have died in the last couple of days, including the people you were with at AR558. And he's just like, dang, that's a lot. You know? Um, it's a lot of names. And she goes, a lot of names to read. He goes, they're not just names. They're not just names. It's important we remember that. It's important we remember. Shakira goes, yeah, you're right. That's the end of the episode. Um, all right. So any comments out there? Let's see. They're more mature than Red Squad, at least. That's true. That's for sure. <laughs> In TNG, the phasers just sort of make the the area glow. DS9 sparks. Yeah, you do see like all the sparks <laughs> going off when they get hit. Yeah. You know, I'm always like, what is like, do people have like gunpowder in their vest or something? <laughs> like, um, Cisco should have had Quark beamed up. He is a civilian. Well, good point. Like, you know, they could, they could have beamed him out and, and beamed people down that he could have used if he was going to stay. Like, okay, beam Quark up and beam down a couple security officers and, uh, and O'Brien and, or maybe even leave O'Brien in charge of the ship and bring Worf. Just bring Worf. <laughs> this is a ground battle. You got this, Worf. This is where Worf excels. This is why you could have like brought Kira to run the ship and bring, leave, bring Worf yeah. on the mission. You know. Anyway, um, hell, Kira would have been good on the ground, better than most of the people he Quark. brought. Yeah, better than Ezri. <laughs> you know, certainly. Uh, this had a huge impact on veterans, says Sam. Yeah, this episode, I'm told, it does have a lot of, uh, of praise from, from veterans and people who have been out there. Uh, Trek Trav says, Frank, you're the most human species in all of Trek, even more human than the humans. Well, I, maybe so, yeah. Yep. D Dave, what am I drinking? I'm just drinking ginger ale, Sam. Um, yeah, uh, my soda stream that Jane gave me for Christmas. A bit of Ezra, Ezri hate. I don't hate Ezri. Um, nope, it's just me neither. I sometimes they use her too much, um, you know, and she is kind of their new toy. I get it. We talked about that in some of the previous episodes, but um, again, she's the counselor. Doesn't do any counseling. We're very little, no. you know. Like uh, I don't think they know what to do with a counselor character. Sometimes <laughs> it seems. Um, any more than you like because the things Ezri says are just something that any friend could say. Like it doesn't seem yeah. like something like a mental health professional would ever say, right? Yeah, she doesn't really do any counseling. Yeah, ever. It's just a conversation. Yeah, she's just a nice friend, right? And that's fine too. So uh, since Adam's not with us and Jody's not here and uh, you can't even have Jamil, we got to do. No, we're not doing sad facts. We're doing the, the Delta details discovered by Dave. I'm not sure why the Deltas. Okay. Trivia. AR-558 itself takes its name from the production number of the episode. Bill Mummy, who played Kellen, was one of multiple Babylon 5 regulars who appeared in D-Space 9. Mummy, a friend of Iris Stephen Bear, always wanted to appear on the show, but held out until he was allowed to play a human. He had repeatedly been asked to appear as an alien. His Babylon 5 co-star, Patricia Tallman, also appears in this episode as a stunt double for Annette Heldy, who played uh, the lieutenant. As a child actor, Mummy portrayed Will Robinson on the TV series Lost in Space, which ran approximately the same years as Star Trek, the original series. Bear took that time out of his busy schedule to go down to the set to see that scene in which Kellen dies, even though Bear didn't usually get to visit the set. He later humorously attributed the fact that he had done so on this occasion to his friendship with Mummy. After filming um, the scene in which Kellen was killed, an amused Bear announced to the cast and crew on the megaphone that Star Trek just killed Will Robinson. Noted mummy. I had some very, very interesting and very memorable experiences on that show, and it was a little cool. It was a cool little death scene, says Bill Mummy. Uh, and his portrayal as Lanier on Babylon 5 was excellent. Excellent. He was on he was on Babylon 5. Why didn't For, you mention something? He's Dave? like one of the best characters in the show. Like, oh man, <laughs> you don't even know. Um, he plays a he plays a Mimbari named Lanier. Um, the Chintaka system was captured by the Federation Alliance in the first battle of Chintaka. So that's where this is. This is the Chintaka system. Uh, this episode acts as a culmination of sorts to the exploration of the real horrors of war as seen in the fifth season episodes, the ship and nor the battle to the strong. Both of those episodes deal with the very real consequences of war, acknowledging the real men and women behind the last list of names. And they both emphasize the sense of lo loss inherited more. 
The Siege of AR-558 does likewise, but in perhaps an even darker vein than the two previous episodes. Another episode with this theme is the sixth uh, ep season episode in the Pale Moonlight, where Cisco also finds herself troubled by casualty reports. It's true. That, that was also about casualty reports. Um, Reese's necklace of Ketrosol white tubes from the dead Jemadar is similar to the necklace of Cardassian neck bones worn by the Klingon soldier Leskit in the Soldiers of the Empire. Um, Aaron Eisenberg, Patrick Kilpatrick, and director Winrick Colby had previously worked together in Star Trek Voyager episode Initiations, in which Eisenberg and Kilpatrick played Kazons. Yeah, to Davin's point, where he's like, that guy's a big guy. I bet he always plays like a big, strong, scary alien. He did. Um, reference rules of acquisitions. Uh, two rules of acquisitions reference here. Number 34 war is good for business. Uh, where is that? Remember the 34th rule of acquisition war is good for business only from a distance. The closer you are to the front lines, the less profitable it gets. <laughs> exactly. And rule of acquisition 125. Rule of acquisition 125. You can't make a deal if you're dead. Can't make a deal if you're dead. Um, uh, Jake Sisko, Cyril Lofton, does not appear in this episode. Rene Aubergeonois only appears in the first scene, and uh, Nana Visitor as Kira appears only in the final scene. Um, you know, it, it, the one part where uh, Quark's like, I bet you wouldn't send Jake on that mission, would you, Sisko? Jake is not a Starfleet officer. <laughs> Jake's not a Starfleet officer, but probably not. Uh, and could could have brought. Odo, I mean, it would have probably been good to have a founder there, maybe. Yeah, maybe they wouldn't want to attack <laughs> it. They never use that either. Like they would, they, they could just like. That would get boring though if they, because they would be able to do that in every episode. Like a changeling shield. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this episode has one of the longest teasers of any episode, coming in at seven minutes. Um. So what else? The music of this episode. Uh, was a mix of battle sounds using the music. So uh, they went to Rick Berman and told him what he wanted to do. He said, okay, but make it sad. <laughs> he wrote the music looking at, look, looking at, without looking at any footage. It wasn't about hitting any story points in particular. It was about creating a mood. Um, it's a, there's a lot here about the music. The song which Bashir plays while awaiting the Jemadar attacks is I'll Be Seeing You, written in 1938 by Sammy Fain and Irving Cahal and which became one of the most popular songs during the Second World War. The song went on to have great significance in the episode It's Only a Paper Moon, which deals with Nog's uh, convalescence, and which also features a scene just before the final battle of AR-558, not seen in this episode, where Nog asks Bashir what the name of the song is. That's right. Yeah, we're going to flash back to this in that episode, aren't we? Yeah, I forgot about that. Um. Iris Stephen Bear was extremely happy with the way this episode ultimately turned out. He was ex especially pleased with how the Starfleet personnel come to use the weapons of the enemy, which they had previously condemned as vile. We were very passionate about this episode. These horrible Houdini minds, these vicious minds suddenly were using them. The whole idea of God is on our side in war is such a strange concept, but it's used all the time. Nobody is clean in war. Yeah, good point. Uh, Armin Shimon commented, I'm very proud of this episode because it's very un-Star Trek-like. Usually in our Star Trek, our heroes, Starfleet officers in particular, stand up to their enemies and take it like men and women. They never think twice about dying, and it can only be uh, one individual against a thousand, and nobody ever blinks an eye, which I've always found a little facetious. So I was pleased that our writers took on the, the opposite point of view, which is that war is a horrible and scary thing, and there are consequences to it. The last thing I want is for a younger members of the audience to think that war is easy. It's not. It's not, nor is it glamorous. That's the message this story tried to get across. And I think that the writers, I thank the writers for having the courage to do that. It's the episode such as this that made D Space Nine special. Well said. Uh, one scene in this episode particularly stands out for Shimon the scene where Quark describes Nog what happens when humans. <laughs> creature's comfort are taken away and one in which armin sherman's favorite scenes he has ever performed in the show it's the finest moment for quark in this episode this uh was when he said you know like they're all beautiful great people until you know you take away their hollow sweets and their 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 root beer and things like that okay and maybe one more um Nog loses his leg in the episode, as we've mentioned, thus setting up the future arc for the character. His recovery is depicted in and It's Only a Paper Moon. According to Ronald D. Moore, in the original story, Nog was to lose both his legs, but Rick Berman argued for a less severe loss, which is why Nog only lost one leg. Would it would it would have been different if it was both legs? 
for you? Like, would this I don't be? Know. Yeah, Not I really. Don't know. Not really. One leg. One leg's enough, though. It didn't need to be two. <laughs> yeah, I think that's still significant. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we wanted uh, to be Starfleet, and because uh, and be the best because only the best could become captain. So no matter what he saw, no matter how many people he saw die, he was like a train that was just going to keep going. Then he got hit. Uh, I played him as if he were in shock, but the first thought that would come into his head is, oh my God, I could die. You know, so all, all well done. Um, let's get into our ratings. Uh, a, a couple of our panel have already uh, chimed in on this. Um, so I'll just bring this up. Boom. Boom, boom. Okay. Uh, one, two, three, let's go there. All right. The Siege of AR558. Um, it's good, but it's a little overrated in my opinion. Um, I'm going to go with... I'll give it like an 8.7. Yeah, this, this episode kills me because it does... It does exactly what it's supposed to do. Yeah. And and it's up there with like Pale Moonlight and the one where uh, um, O'Brien tries to kill himself oh, in yeah. that kind of emotionality of it. But I find this episode kind of boring most of the time. Uh, yeah. Eight and a half, I guess. Eight, eight and a half. Okay. Uh, so Davin gave this a 10, Jody gave it a nine and Adam also gave it a nine. Uh, it has an 8.6 on IMDb. So, you know, we're, we're in like, we're close to the nine. We're hovering around nine, you know, uh, overall, you know, so it's, it's, it's pretty strong. I don't think it's the best episode of season seven or anything. You know, it's, it's pretty good. Um, it's got some moments, but it's, it's also got some boring. I'm just gonna say Dominion War, I guess, is like the theme there. Um, I don't think it's any one person's episode. Yeah. any one character's episode so uh kind of ensemble and uh yeah so we're averaging at nine uh so we'd like i think i guess we like this a little bit better than last week uh and so season seven is starting to rebound a little bit in its ratings so there might be hope you know we're gonna see how this all plays out uh let's let's just uh preview a little ahead to next episode uh i think we did talk about covenant that it's covenant so um what is this one uh, this is uh Ducat on the uh oh, Ducat's cult. Oh, the cult led by Gold Ducat uh on the they go to the um the other D Space Nine, right? The Teraknor yeah. or the Nor. Or no Mpoknor. Yeah. Mpoknor, yeah. Uh the Cardassians, yeah. So because we haven't seen Mark Alimo since the end of season six, right? right? And we are now this what was this episode? This was the eighth. So we're we're now nine episodes in halfway almost into the season. Uh, and he hasn't like he killed Jadzir, right? Or the yeah. or did the Pa Wraith kill her? I don't really know. But um, you know, like and Worf didn't even try to find him. Uh, you know, like there's a lot, a lot of unfinished things here. Um, just as we look ahead to that episode, uh, do you like that one or do you remember liking that one? Or um, I do, I think. We'll see when I watch it again. But I I mean Ducat as the main character. Uh, of course i like it yeah um i just want to also acknowledge uh, for this episode siege of ar558 uh people in the live chat giving their ratings norman gave it an eight sam gave it a 10 and trek trav gave it a nine and sam says don't he doesn't give him any tens so there you go davin does have a streak of tens though you're right there sam um he sam's also asking will we cover the ds9 documentary maybe one day we might yeah uh, the Far Beyond the Stars documentary, or, or no, it's called What We Left Behind, right? What We Left Behind. What yeah. We Left Behind. Yeah, we might talk about that. I've, I've already seen it, but it's been a while since I've rewatched it. Uh, so we, we may cover that in the future. Um, what else? Uh, oh, did you know, Kevin, that a very special guest is coming to Live Long and Part podcast uh, this, this Thursday? We are going to have J.G. Hertzler himself, Martok, coming to see us, you know? It's a pity Captain Cisco frowns on summary executions. <laughs> uh, he'll be he'll be Very talking exciting. with 
with the locutors and myself. Uh, we're going to be on Thursday at eight o'clock uh, for a live uh, chat with him interview. Um, I'm already trying to think of what questions I want to ask him. Uh, he and I share the same birthday, so I, you know, I've got to make sure he knows that Pisces power uh, and, all, and all those things. So it, it would be good times, but yeah, Davin's uh, got this interview, and it, it, I am, I'm pretty, I'm pretty um, excited for it. So um, if you guys have any questions for uh, JG, Mister Hertzler, I can't know. wait to watch that and watch you be like, guess what? We have the same birthday. Are you? you're a pisces too you're a pisces you fought you feel pisces power and i'll be like okay but the people who have this birthday it's like me him queen latifah vanessa williams um that's all the people come to mind and many many more people probably many more i don't know so uh ask him if he knows what you're thinking because you're psychic yeah i know he will though he already know um (laughs) How the hell does everyone get? How do you get these interviews? Well, that's 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 thanks to Davin. He's the one uh, hustling out there to, to get these interviews. Um, can we get Terry Farrell? That would be nice. I would love to talk yeah. to Terry Farrell. Uh, hopefully, we'll see. Trek Trav also a Pisces. Pisces power. Trek Trav. <laughs> Kevin, what's your side? Who cares? <laughs> Oh, I'm I'm a Libra, but Dave will explain to you that I'm not actually. You're not. You're a Libertarius, but it's it's complicated. It's complicated <laughs> astrology stuff. Okay, uh, Terry Farrell is a semi regular on the Delta Flyers, and she's apparently going to be watching season seven for the first time once they get to it. She's never even watched these up those episodes. Wow, all, like all these years later. Wow, um, still hasn't. Okay. The astrology is so that's not very Pisces of you to say, Trek Trap. I gotta tell you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, with that said, uh, thanks for being with us tonight. Uh, check out the United Federation of Podcasts. That's our like we're part of a, a, a network of podcasts that has a whole bunch of different shows. Uh, we cover things like X Men. We talk about um, movies. Uh, my son has a music podcast called Aiming on Track. Um, so go to our website ufpodcast.com, the United Federation of Podcasts, um, and you can find all our different shows out there. So many good ones. And uh, I think that's it. We'll, we'll, we'll leave you for tonight uh, with a quote. Or no, how about with a song? Till next time, everybody. Have a good one. One, two, three, four, one. She likes the free, fresh wind in her hair. Life without care. She's broken, but it's okay. Hates California. It's cold and it's damp. That's why the lady, that's why the lady, that's why the lady is a scam. See you next time, everyone. Let's get out of here. <laughs>